Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Cambridge Islamic College podcast. It has been narrated in Sahih Muslim that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Whenever some people gather in one of Allah's houses to recite the Book of Allah and study it among themselves, then calmness descends upon them. The angels surround them, mercy covers them, and Allah mentions them to those who are with Him. And some of the most recited verses of the Holy Quran are from the last chapter. Chapter. These verses are some of the first to be taught to children and new Muslims, as well as recited regularly in congregation. So what better way for us to launch Cambridge Islamic College's podcast channel than with Sheikh Muhammad Akram Nadwi's Tafsir of Juzamma. It is often said that Tafsir requires knowledge and understanding of all of the Islamic sciences and not just knowledge of the Arabic language. Sheikh Akram expertly deciphers the intricacies of these surahs and in his unique and in manner makes them relatable. So, without further ado, let's begin this journey. Then I just take the soul and they fly, sabha, sabha, and they race with everybody, and you know, and they follow the command of Allah to so they think they're angels. So I just take the soul, then they fly, they move, and they're racing each other in the command of Allah, fulfilling obedience, and then they manage, you know, regulars the matter of Allah. So they have to, some people say the death, some people say the horse, some people say so many things. The, but only thing I'm really more convinced. With what Mawla Farahir Rahmanullah has made the research, and he thinks it all winds and the clouds. And the similar in example in the Quran, and also I mentioned, actually, the Quran mentioned about the punishment of people of Ad. So Naza'a has been used in, in, in that verse. So similar in Naza'at Gharqa. Yeah, it could happen, but the thing basically is, if you have you know right message, and you know and present the message you know with with, with softness, you know your truth will have victory at the end. So no doubt, in the beginning people make, but the thing really people become very quick, very quickly influenced. Things come from your heart, especially when you people see that you know you're doing for the you know for the for their interest. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually supports the truth and the softness actually of the truth you know, in such a way we cannot imagine really. Then the support of Allah comes, the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes. So it is not weak, it's not actually, you know, people will think it, people don't understand, but you know, it will win the heart of the people. You know, all the right hearts, they will be one. You know, there will be bad people, no doubt really. It's not that uh, if you bring the message with the love, everybody will accept it, not like that. Eh? But right people will accept it. It will really go deep. But still, there are people remain. Like, you know, the Prophet Muhammad he made all the effort, but still, people like Abu Jahl, Abu, Abu Lahab, and people like him, you know, them, they did not accept him. But it is not weakness. Weakness only comes really when you are not connected with Allah. Wa if you are his messenger, you are not weak. Because the power is there supporting you, you know, from, 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 from behind. So you are messenger. So you are not weak. You are clear. You are, your strength is the one who sent you, who appointed you. 
Christus. You know the thing actually when I mentioned the example of humble, it is not it's not actually to prefer the poverty over the richness. It's not, it's not my effort really. I'm just trying to say that how the people used to think think really this world is you know not so important. The people could live without that. That's what I'm to say. I'm not trying to say that people are not allowed to earn money. You know, the only thing haram is if people prefer this world over the next one. If the people do this, this, this is not allowed. But if people earn money, spend money properly and all those things, they have from the right sources. You know, we don't say it's haram to Abu Hanifa, not only Abu Hanifa, I mean the companions of Abdurrahman ibn Awf, Abu Bakr Siddiq, and Zubair ibn Awam, Talha ibn Ubaidullah, they're very, very rich people. You know, I, I don't, but I'm trying to say really is, what the reason we don't spend time in, 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 in ibadah? Because we think if we become poor, what will happen? So I'm trying to say, don't worry, nothing will happen. You know, you have also example of these people. But if some people can easily manage both things, there's no harm in that. But mostly it is, it is not like that. Yeah, so there have been people like that. And we, we don't say that all Muslims should become poor. But what I'm trying to say, Muslims should not be scared of poverty. Because there have been people poorer than you, and nothing happened to them. Poverty is not harm. Muslims should not be scared and afraid of the poverty. Muslims should not actually leave the command of Allah because of the fear of the poverty. Because don't, don't miss the prayer because you think if I don't, you know, I pray pro properly, how can I earn money? Don't do these things. That I'm trying to say. You know, fear of the poverty should not stop you from listening to your Lord. With the intention of displaying the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is it allowed to display? No, Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah did not display his I don't know where you read it. Yeah, Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah was a rich person, but he was very humble. And actually hardly he spent his wealth on himself, but he used to spend on other people. So Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah was not really one of the person, you know, to just enjoy the life. Actually, you know, rich people, you know, what they wanted, they wanted to have marriage and sleep and this. And Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah, people say for 40 years after Isha prayer, people never saw him sleeping. From Isha until Fajr prayer, all the time, you know, he, in, in the ibadah. And he, and, and he did 50 hajj. Hajj 50 times, it basically means every year he goes for the Hajj. How much difficult was Hajj at that time? So though he was very rich, but he spent the money on the right things. And then people who used to come learn from, learning from him, used to spend money on them. Abu Yusuf al-Qadi was a very poor person. He came to study with Abu Hanifa rahimullah ta'ala. Uh, and uh, then Abu, Hanif, uh, Abu Yusuf's mother, she came shouting at him and said to Abu Hanifa, you are rich, you can do what you like, but you know, he's an orphan, you know, he's a, he's a son of my son, he does not have anything to eat and drink. If he sits with you, who's going to look after me? Then Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah spent money on Abu Yusuf and also on his mother, you know, from his own pocket. People used to borrow money from Abu Hanifa and they could not pay their debt. Abu Hanifa used to say, I, I forgive every single thing. So Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah did have money for other people. Muslim rich people really are those rich people who earn money not for themselves, for other people, for Muslim causes, for, for orphans, for the widows, for the poor people. If they do like that, it is, it is praiseworthy. But, you know, but my intention is different. My intention really is that if people, if people are scared of, of the poverty, you should not be scared. People like before us, Ahmed al all these people, they are poor people. But nothing changed them. You know, they are strong people. Poverty did not change them. Hmm. 
to repeat the question because you know I have difficulty to hear but you know if you can repeat the question please. Sorry, repeat it again? No, no, I'll give the Faisal maybe if Faisal, you know? Okay, say it now clearly because I didn't understand the question. Was my voice too low? Or? Okay. So when two Muslims argue together, uh, what I understood from your uh, lecture earlier that it's because of desire. So, um, what is the solution is giving in because of adhidhita and mu'mi and forgiving just forgiving? Or where do you draw the line when a Muslim tries to exploit or use another person abusing uh, and then you don't want to argue because it's all about dunya at the end. So uh, when it's about rights, uh, uh, do we just forgive? Or because it's at the end of the day, it's about dunya. Mr. I didn't understand the question because uh, somebody has to explain to me. <laughs> Yeah, well, sisters asking that you mentioned that when two people argue, it's usually because of the desire. Yeah. And the sisters asking, when do we draw the line if, you know, if, if the argument is with relation to uh, somebody trying to abuse, uh, should we just, even if they try to abuse us, should we just forgive and forget or, or should we do something? Is that correct? Anything else? Okay. You know, the thing basically is that, you know, when you have, differ from anybody, we you don't, you know, I don't, I, if I understood properly, the, uh, my answer is that, you know, people can differ from each other. Difference can happen. And then pe everybody wants to prove their point. Islamic way is, if you differ from anyone and you have got an argument properly, then present your opinion, you know, supported with your argument properly. If you can convince the other person, fine. If he's not convinced, then don't make it longer. Then leave it. Don't make effort to win. Don't make effort to prove. The only way is that you know you present your case properly and your argument properly, and after that, don't find it because if you prove that you are going to win, that's what desire actually is. Your duty is to make your point properly with proper arguments, and then after that, leave. You are not supposed to convince the person. You are not supposed to win the argument. If you start doing that, that's not allowed. That's for yourself. So that, that is desire. Is it clear? It could be that um, some injustice has been done. You know, the thing basically is that when somebody has done any injustice, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the world in how to fulfill the justice, the justice, then you, you know, make your case properly and if you can think really somebody can help you to get, to deliver justice to you to help you for the justice you can seek the help of those people you can go to the court you can go to you know to any power anybody who can help you, you are allowed to do this so you know we don't mind that as long as you want to take your justice and rights properly then no harm in that but when people actually exaggerate this thing they become too much in this wasting their time that's the problem otherwise taking you know getting justice you know the companions they used to do they used to take the cases to the prophet 
and actually there are stories in, in Quran also the people who coming to the Prophet and Messenger for the justice. So there's no harm in that. If anybody actually doing any wrong to you and you are allowed, you know, to, uh, to, you know, to, to take justice, you know, easily can happen. But sometimes actually the way of the justice is too long and sometimes it can bring more problem, especially when the problem is between husband and wife. So I would advise them, don't, you know, go to the court and don't make effort for justice, you know, make effort, you know, just basically, you know, from what actually basically we say, when there is a problem between two people, one of them should actually withdraw from his right and just say, okay, I, 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 you know, I'm not interested. Just do like that. You will see really what will happen. Next time, the person will recognize your importance and really he will help you. Next time, he can't, do, he can't wrong you again. So, you know, it directly helps, especially in the, in the families and among the friends, it is very important that, you know, if you see really that your friend is not, you know, right with you, not doing justice with you, then the way is leave it. Leave it for, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help you. But anyway, people are allowed to take revenge and people are also allowed to take their cases to the courts. <coughs> Thank you very much. And I've just got two quick questions. One is about Hawa. If I understood correctly, do you, did you say that the root meaning is to go down? Yeah, Hawa, yeah, Hawa in Arabic language means, you know, also to go down. So because what desire means, desire basically means to leave yourself you know, uh, 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 you know uh, on the level of the animal. So you don't need to, have, like animals, animals don't need to have effort, eating, drinking, desire, so easy to leave yourself. But, you know, to do something higher, you need to have further for to not to be angry. It's effort. You know, not, you know, uh, eating is easy, but not to eat, you know, control, not to sleep, you know, that, that thing actually, and, you know, and uh, it protects your eyes from looking at haram. You know, they need effort. So, and actually the thing in Arabic language is, all the, all the Arabic words, from the, from the word, you know, three letters, when they have got, the middle one has fataha dhamma, they mean, they means effort. And dhamma is more effort. And when they have kasra, they, they become passive, nothing really. So that's why you can say sami'a. Sami'a means to hear, because hearing does not make effort, because the words come to your, you know, your ear anyway. So similarly, Havia, Havia means because, you know, it does not need any effort to, to, to follow your desire to eat and drink and, you know, become big and huge. It does not make any effort. Really. Anybody can do that. Animals can do that. You know, like bulls, you know, they're so fat and so huge. So they can do that. So all, that's why I can say in Arabic language, when they make passive, they also make by that. They make kasra on the middle one. So like a nasara means he helped. Nasara means he was helped. So to make any verb as a passive, the way in Arabic language is to put kasra. So kasra basically in Arabic language comes for the passive meaning. And fataha or alif or dhamma comes to be active. And you can see all the words, they are so really consistent. Because in every other language, they change so much. Arabic language, because the Quran remains as it is natural. So that's why you can see so much consistency. And you always can see, whenever there is any word of three letters, if middle one has kasra, you will look, go deep, you can find the meaning is not doing anything. When you do something like gharika, gharika means to be drowned. Drowning does not need anything. You can be drowned, but sabha to swim, you need haraka to move. So you can say Arabic language, whenever any word comes with kasra in middle, it means doing nothing. And when kafatha means doing something. Like this amela. Amela means to act. Amela means act what? Act, act, act to knowledge. That way the word amela never used for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, doer. For him fa'ala, but not amela. See, all the words when the kasra comes in the middle, language means something like be passive, basically, doing nothing. That's what Hawaii is. Hawaii is doing nothing. Yes, can I roll 10 questions into one? Is it possible at some point to have the 
references for things like the poem and the handbook, the stories that you told? Yeah, you know, you can find in, in all his biographies in Sero Alamino. Sero Alamino, but in all, all other books where they mention his biography, they mention all these stories about him. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to say actually is that people should not think of his, that the, the, the Pharaoh, he just think about himself. You know, the what he think actually, he think for his own, he, all the people. He said, ma illa ma ara, wa ma illa sabila rashad. He said to his people, I show you only what I see for myself. And I show you the path of the guidance. I'm trying to say Allah has given him, you know, proper intelligence. The problem is that he's not using it as properly. That's another matter. But he's not a selfish, he's not actually he wants to something bad for his people. But thing is, he does not know what good or bad is. So for him, this world is everything. So the problem of the Pharaoh actually is not that he's selfish, or the problem actually is that he does not have the quality, you know, good quality as the leader. It's not the problem. The problem actually only is that he does not want to go deeper. He does, he does not want to remove the curtain. For him, this life is everything. Musa al-Islam comes, you know, from, you know, he comes with different thinking. Different orientation. He used to he, he used his mind, he thinking properly, and then he gets the revelation. So in the curtains are removed. So both Firaun and Musa, if you look actually world, in worldly qualities, the same qualities. The only difference is that Firaun actually had orientation. Firaun's orientation this world, and Musa's orientation the hereafter. That's the only difference. So it's not that Firaun is selfish. You know, he said that, that you know I just want to, to tell you what I know. Like Abu Jahl, Abu Jahl was not a selfish person. Abu Jahl actually wants something good for all Quraysh people. He, he think really that by because of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam now Arabs honor is going go down. He wants to raise the honor of Arab people. Like you know many many leaders in our time, like in democratic country, what actually many good leaders, like not leaders of the corrupt countries, you know, where they are selfish. But like you know you can see in the Western leaders, they are not selfish. They really they get something as well, but they want something for their nation. They are working hard for that. So you know they are very similar to Firaun. They you know the only thing is they have got curtains. So we don't accuse them that you are selfish or thin. No, you are not. We are not. We are selfish. The only thing actually you don't see properly. Don't use your mind properly. You cannot see the hereafter. You think this is the main problem. So I'm trying to say that Pharaoh and Musa both have got the same qualities as the leadership. None of them are selfish. The difference is that Pharaoh's orientation is this world, and Musa's orientation is the hereafter. That's why the Quran said in the, in the Surah Al-Ala, "Bal tu'thirun al-hayat al-dunya wal-akhiratu khairun wa abqa." You people prefer this dunya and akhirah is better. Inna hada lafis sohaf al-ula, sohaf Ibrahim Musa. This is the earlier scripture, scripture of Musa and Harun, Ibrahim. That was the Torah, is, is, those scriptures are God. That people should prefer the next world. That is better for them.
if Allah did not put the desire there, nobody would have actually this relation. So only because of the desire. So imagine, for example, if there is no desire, can anybody do? For example, if somebody hates someone, do you think they can fulfill the desire? No, they cannot do that. So this actually has been, this desire has been put actually for a purpose as a family. That I'm trying to say. So the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made all the desire as a mean. They, are, they actually, uh, desires are indication. So when you get, for example, I make this clear, you know, you learn this thing properly. It will explain you all the time for every single desire. The ulama say that, you know, if you think I should not eat, don't eat. If you think I should I eat or not, still don't eat. If you think I should eat, then you eat only if you need. So similarly, if you think, you know, I don't need to have, you know, desire of this relation, don't have. If you think, should I have not, don't have. If you think you need to have, then have only if you want to have family. If you want to have family, then, you, then fulfill your desire. And only with the condition of, you know, taking the responsibility. If you cannot have family and you cannot fulfill the responsibilities, then you are not allowed to have this relation. This is not allowed for you. That actually, I don't like it. this marriage happen now happening in many Arab countries and also in this country, misyar. What misyar means, that a woman can, you know, she is divorced, she has got houses, nobody marrying her. So she said, okay, marry me without any responsibility, without anything. This actually is part of the people's situation. Islam does not want enjoyment. You know, you marry her, but you know, pay her rights, you know, provide expenses and accommodation, and then marry her because she has, has you know, she's helpless. Do you want to exploit her situation? This is not Islam, this is not marriage. Nikah or Misyar people say, this actually, I don't think Islam never can allow something like that. It is zulm, injustice to the people. And you are not meant for enjoyment. You are meant actually for something. You know, you do this thing, you know, for the sake of the family. You have to raise the family. So I'm coming back to that question about speaking softly uh, to the rulers. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, fine, yeah, fine. How do you reconcile that with um, Muslim scholars in the past who spoke out against oppressive leaders, Muslim leaders? You know, the thing basically is uh, this thing actually has, you know, a lot of conditions, and most people actually don't know all the conditions. You know, so, no doubt really, first thing is, it's first thing actually we don't change the truth. You have to carry away the message as it is. Message can never change it. But how you present the message, it always must be in a soft and nice language. No doubt about that, really. But the thing actually is very often many of these rulers, sometimes they cannot get the point. People have been making effort to explain them nicely. So sometimes just, you know, way of you know, striking the mind, it can help them. Sometimes it changes the mind. So that's why the ulama sometimes use different style. But even that one, the people make very clear, all the people of the, you know, of, of the fiqh, they make very clear that if you uh, feel that now you need to speak with the ruler in a tough language, harsh language, you are allowed to do this uh, as long as you think really it is not going to harm you. And as long as, you know, and if you think really, no, even if you get to harm me, I don't worry if he kills me or something like that. You are allowed to do this uh, as long as the harm does not move to your family and children. Because you can bear, but not your family. So for example, if you think really, if I, you know, speak with the ruler in the harsh language, tough language, and he's going to harm my family, my children, then you are not allowed. Because you can sacrifice your life, but not life of your family and children and other people. So then you should be in a thinking properly that what is the best way. That always they have been saying, you are not allowed to say something in bad manner or any harsh language which can bring any problem to other people other than you. Just a quick question, actually. Um, 
President Kuhn is that us. Would, would it be right to say that it is wrong not to enjoy those desires after them? That's one question. Second one is that um, if I'm a lady, I'm on contraception, so I know I cannot conceive. So would I be right to deny my husband to say no to my husband because I don't have I mean, I want to say no because I don't want it and to say no to my husband because I don't have that desire. Can, can you explain the first one again? Actually, first, first question about the desire one. What do you say about the desire? Okay. I want to like it around to enjoy your desire. Yeah. I mean, to have sex or to eat, sometimes you just want to eat because you, you like to eat. Yeah. yeah. You enjoy the food. I mean, you like biryani and it's uh, yeah. roti. Yeah. I prefer rice right because it, to me it tastes nicer than, than yeah. roti. Would it, be, would it be wrong for me to say I'm going for rice because it's, for me it tastes nicer? Yeah, the thing is, then you're going to suffer. Because if you eat for enjoyment, you're going to suffer. That's what happened to most people. That's why these all, the, you know, the restaurants, they know this thing. So that's why they make food in a way, so it basically raise, arouses this desire in the people. So you can say children, because they know how to make it. So the smell is like that. So people use, eat them, and it hurts their health. You know, none of these food you know, we sold in the markets, you know, in, in this, you know, uh, they are healthy for the people. They basically are for one purpose, that they make you to eat, buy, and then they make money. That's what's happening. So if you eat for the desire, you know, you don't feel that, but it is really harming you. People always think really if they need, and then eat that one which is going to help you. If you just look at the desire, desire does not, desire does not, desire does not for example, if somebody makes a poison in the biryani, can desire see the poison? You eat it. Similarly, there are poison in the biryani. Really, every biryani that people eat, there is poison in that. People don't see it. But you know, that's a, yeah. No, it is, you know, all the biryani are the same. But you know, in, the, in India, people used to have biryani once a year. That's how they used to have. And sometimes, maybe some rich people once a month. But biryani in every dinner, it is going to kill you. This, nobody, no, biryani was not made for that purpose. And also, people, their way of living was different. They used to work hard in the farms and this and that and sweating and then they have little fight or something like that. It helps them. But doing nothing, sitting around just lazy people, then yeah, after every year you have to change the door of your house. You can't, you know, you can't enter. You can fight huge. So, you know, eating for taste enjoyment is not, not allowed. It's very, very bad for the people. We hope you enjoyed today's lecture and pray that it will be beneficial to you. Remember to tune in for the next one. For more insightful content in full HD quality on tafsir and other Islamic sciences such as hadith, fiqh, Arabic prose, grammar and morphology, as well as Islamic history, female scholarship and much, much more, subscribe to our unique streaming platform on www.deepdeen.tv. That's D-E-E-P-D-E-E-N.tv. Don't forget to visit www.cambridgeislamiccollege.org and show your support. Please click on the donate button and give whatever you can. Our institution is dependent on the generosity of donors like yourselves.